live from Liverpool, we need to talk about ghosts. Patreon Podcast with Kevin Eustace. And it's Sunday. Well, it's Sunday where you guys are, but it's um, Friday where we are, isn't it? It is, yeah. Because we're doing a pre-record. So, um, yes. So, hello, Becca. Hello. It's Paranormal Patreon Day. That's exciting. Yes, and we're going to be looking at some of the book. well, one of the books that you very kindly purchased for me, purchased for me from when we went on our little trip to Hamilton, which I covered in the Ramble. I did. We went to Watkins. Yes. And they had some paranormal books. Yes. They had lots of, like, mystic books, didn't they? Yeah, lots of spell books. Yeah, and they had a few ghost books. Mm-hmm. And we got you some. We did. So the book we're going to be looking at today, or just to say... Today's Friday. The, the Ramble was recorded Thursday and put out Thursday, which was yesterday. And some of you have wished um, and said, you know, I mentioned that my uncle was in intensive care. He sadly passed away this morning. Um, it's been a very emotional morning, all told. A lot of phone calls to cousins and stuff and memories and shared and stuff. However, you know, such is life. Life does not stop when one life ends. And the, um, he was 82. Mm. And, you know, as we were talking about it, you know, I was speaking to his son, my cousin, about it uh, earlier, as you do, speak to family. And he was saying, you know, his dad, like, uh, as in my uncle's dad, didn't make 65. My dad's dad didn't make 60. Um, so 82 is a good. You know, Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a fair score. But it's an interesting point what you made, because, like, my dad's 75 now. And we'll move on from this quickly. But... It seems to, I don't know whether it's just a thing that happens when you reach like 30s and 40s, that people don't seem to be, they don't seem to look as old as they did. No, people are getting younger. It's not just an age thing, because honestly, like in, when I was a kid, people who were 70, it was like headscarves and shopping trolleys and, and like, yeah, and like. Walking sticks and. Yeah, yeah exactly, and, yeah. And yeah, and yeah. All, like 70 was like, oh, she's 70. Along. Yeah, whereas your dad's over 70. And like, honestly, he's. He's in my mind how like fifty two was yeah, yeah. when I was a I'd kid. Agree, you yeah. know, he's like active. He goes to the gym. He plays yeah, he golf. Goes gym, he goes plays golf five times a week. He's, yeah, um, like completely goes to the match. Like, yeah, like goes for a pint on a Sunday. Fully active. Fully active. More active than fitter he, than you. Fitter than me. Easy. I, I beat you in a game of tennis, wouldn't he? He'd beat me in any sport. Mm-hmm. But this is my point. I don't know whether it's like. Anyway, it's just mm-hmm. a weird one. It's just a weird one. How yeah, I, just... I've thought that because. Um, yeah, like my parents have hit now over sixty. Yeah, and they just none of your them look dad. Your dad like... would knock the living fuck out of me, <laughs> and your dad's. Oh, how old is your dad now? Over sixty. Yeah, but it's not when you picture like sixty. Not you don't pick like when I was a kid. Not frail sixty, but certainly getting there, like getting yeah. a bit doddery. Um, I, I mean, I'm doddering down the stairs not... now because my left toes playing up, and I yeah. feel like this is age catching up on me. Yeah. And like honestly, the your dad could take down two men. Well, both my mum and dad. When you think about like how active and that they are, that's for me like forty. Yeah, <laughs> you know you've, they, you've come, they act forty. Thinking about it, you've come from good good genes. I mean, you know, my mum can cycle like over twenty five miles in a day. Your mum can cycle over twenty five miles in a day, and in her former life and her working life, like she she was known to tackle fully grown muscular men to the ground and arm lock them and stuff. Yeah, I know, but like age wise, they just like both of them. Neither of them Look you would think age. of as being over sixty at all. Like no, my no. perception of what over sixty is, just neither of them fit it. That, but that was my point. I wonder is... if that changes because we've gotten older or whether. But I don't think it is. No, I, I think, think people are getting younger. 
Yeah, I, I think people are getting younger. And you know what? This isn't us then going to say, so maybe we should read the, the pension age. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. So God bless your Uncle Terry. I, yes. I'm sure you'll, you'll be happy with the people who are up there because they'll all be having a good drink. And they all enjoyed a good drink, the people he'll be going to meet. So there'll be a party going on right there. Maybe not a celebration. Well, there will be a celebration, but you know, there'll be a few bevies drunk tonight, I'm sure. Up there in the sky. Anyway, moving on. Moving on to talk about the dead. But the ghostly dead. So, this book that you got me is by Betty Puttick, um, called Supernatural England, Poltergeist Ghosts and Hauntings. And yeah, so this one, you were initially reluctant on this one. I was adamant. Yeah. When we went into we went into two paranormal bookshops. Yeah, Watkins and yeah, Treadwells. Yeah. And I was obviously absolutely adamant you were coming away with something. And you made me laugh when you were in there because you're so loud. Like, like, oh yeah, like, and you'll look and you'll look for ages, but you're like, yeah, no, I'm all right. And I'm like, you you reckon you like ghosts as loads of ghost books here? Get one. <laughs> and you're like, look, anyway, this one, I, Supernatural England, there's loads of stories in there. And initially you were looking at first because you were like, oh no, I think it's just going to be stuff I've already heard. And yeah. furnished, your knowledge is very good. But when I opened it and I was like, hang on, and there were loads. And I was like, there's no way you know all of these To already. be fair, do you know what one, you, you pointed out the actual one. Um, and I have heard of it. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll read it out. It's the, um, it's the Vampire of Crogland Hall or something. But it was one that I, I remember thinking, I've heard of that, but I don't know the story fully. That right, made okay. me think, yeah, maybe. Mm. Um, so, so anyway, I finally persuaded you. We got three, didn't we? We got three, yeah. yeah. And this is this is a good one, you know. There's like it's got over like a hundred. It hasn't got over a hundred. It's got it's a lot. It's got about forty to fifty, maybe. So like the skull that screamed, I know that story. I mean, I'm not going to read out to everyone that I know. Um, so that's when. So the Kroglin vampire. That's what it is. Fifty five. So we'll start with that. Because, as I say, and I've heard of it. I'm sure to do with something somewhere in the lakes. That's good. Sorry, I was just going to say, keep flicking. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when... So, because if you see, they're all about Britain, but this is helpful because our, our geography is shocking. Absolutely yeah. shocking. Not only does it say where it is, it shows you on the map where it is. Oh, that's good. That's good, isn't it? I'll tell you what else is good as well. on the, the British Isles map. Um, I got a Supernatural Wales book from... Uh, Granby Street Market when we last went, didn't yeah. I? And that's got, like, maps in. Like, so it says, this has happened here, here's the map. You know, so you can go to right, the actual yeah. spot of the uh, haunting. that's really good. So yeah, the Kroglin Vampire. So I'll tell you what, you can read the Kroglin Vampire. Okay. And um, we can all learn together. Okay. It was in 1874 that the Australian brothers Michael and Edward Cranswell and their sister Amelia rented Crogling Grange in the Vale of Eden. Captain Fisher, their landlord, found them to be good tenants and they became popular in the village. All went well until one summer night when Amelia went to bed without closing her shutters. Amelia. Amelia. She slept soundly until something, she couldn't say what, awoke her. Going to her window... She was horrified when her gaze was met by two flaming eyes set in a hideous brown face. Well, that sounds terrifying. The creature outside seemed to be human, but was swathed in shrouds. As it peered at her through the window, its shriveled fingers scrabbling at the panes. Amelia had locked her door before retiring. Now she wished she hadn't, for in her panic to get out, she fumbled at the lock and dropped the key. Oh, no. Oh, no. 
Her screams roused her brothers. They broke open Amelia's door and stumbled into her room to find her lying senseless on the floor. Her neck was bleeding, punctured by what appeared to be marks made by fangs. The brothers rushed to her now-open window, but there was no sign of her attacker. What do you mean, now open? It was always open. Well, anyway. We'll never answer that mystery here. (laughs) Amelia's wounds were superficial, and she soon regained consciousness, but the Cranswells felt that a temporary change of scene was needed. A long holiday in Switzerland would calm Amelia's shattered nerves, they decided, and they were right. They were clearly... They're doing all right, they're doing right themselves. I was going to just want to say they're clearly from old money, aren't yeah, they? Absolutely. Like... Yeah, she's had a bit of a shock and gets a long holiday in Switzerland. <laughs> yeah. Nice. To calm her nerves. Amazing. I think convalescence, if it needs to come back, you know. Yeah, I know, yeah. We've talked about this, haven't we? We've yeah. had convalescence, haven't we? What convalescence we weekends, convalescence. yeah. Where we just stay in stay and in turn off our yeah. phones and yeah. stuff and just, like, chill for a and weekend. it's needed. It's glorious. It is, it's sometimes. needed, it's needed. Yeah. I mean, I probably need... I could do it daily, is the only Yeah, issue. it gets... For you, it has to be a rare treat. It can't yeah, just, it can't be, just be, so. be every day. Yeah. Um, on their return, Amelia continued to occupy the same bedroom, although she now took care to always close the shutters at night and to leave the door unlocked. And the brothers kept a gun handy, just in case. The incident was all but forgotten when, months later, Amelia was woken by the sound of her shutters being forced. Her cries soon brought her brothers to her aid, and Edward dashed outside, gun in hand. He was just in time to see a wraith-like figure fleeing down the drive. He took a shot at it and the creature stumbled but continued running. Interesting. Edward pursued it across the frosty fields in the March moonlight and saw it enter Croglin Churchyard where it vanished among the graves. The brother went back to the Grange, returning after dawn to the churchyard accompanied by several villagers. They discovered that a family vault had been opened. All the coffins inside, except one, had been disturbed, revealing their skeletal remains. Opening the undamaged coffin, the searchers found the preserved form of the presumed vampire inside, with a bullet wound in one of its legs. Wow, well that's fucking, that's just tangible proof right there. It appeared to be in a coma, and nobody waited for it to come to life. Edward and his helpers lifted it from the coffin, carried it to a corner of the churchyard, built a fire, and burned it. Wow. The event was chronicled in the memoirs of Augustus Hare, 1834-1903, to who named Captain Fisher as his source. Skeptics have remarked that there is no Crogling Grange. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, put that in sentence one of the stories. And, and that hair was noted for his susceptibility to the far-fetched. <laughs> but there is a Crogling Low Hall where a ground floor window has been walled up. Fucking hell, <laughs> Amazing to go through all that, and then at the end and go. However, skeptics have argued that it doesn't exist, and the fellow was a liar. I mean, there's a crogling, there's a crogling low hall though, and the ground floor window has been walled up. So why would that happen? Well, window tax. Window tax. For those who don't know, in England. Um, I feel like everyone must know it because we. Why do we talk about window tax so know. frequently? I think it's because I feel like this has come up far more than it should. There's have. evidence of window tax we we can see daily yeah. on our walks. Go on then, explain just in case anyone's so not. So in it. like Victoria, was it Victorian England or was it prior? Yeah, I think it's Victorian. So there are thereabouts anyway. Um, the government decided that they would put a tax on the number of windows people had. Yeah, based um, on your number of windows. Based in your on house. your number of windows in your house, so therefore people would brick up windows to save on tax. Mm. And um, and that's still like you can still see. You can see, yeah. Some of the like around. pre, 
1880s buildings that are many of which are loitered around Liverpool. Um, you'll see evidence of this. You'll see like one house will have all its windows intact, and the one next door will have two or three bricked up mm. windows to try and save on the tax. Yeah. So that's probably why the window was bricked up. But also, but you wouldn't you, you wouldn't do a ground floor window, would you? Why? It's a window. Window's a window. I know what you mean. Because you, do want, you wouldn't you do... want to look out. Well, you do want... It's less the views, more about daylight, right? Daylight is important in houses. Yeah. And daylight, you would spend... You, during the day, you spend more time downstairs than you do upstairs. Upstairs is a night where you That's need the light less. So if yeah. you had to choose a window to lose, the smart option is an upside, ups, upstairs, upstairs window. One. And yeah. we do often see them on but the top floor, don't we? normally, yeah, yeah. Because you're talking these like old Victorian ones where they've got like three or four floors, yeah. aren't you? Or basements, you can see them too. There's evidence yeah. of that on yeah, Catherine Street. yeah. But it's always the top ones, isn't it? It's never like the it's first. It's never. You're right. It's not never the first floor or the yeah. ground floor. So that. So there you go. So, but the ground floor window in this case has been walled up. Yeah. So that's interesting. Was her bedroom on the ground floor though? Well, also there's uh, there's two things which are interesting with the well. It's an interesting story anyway, and it's a good story. Um, anyway. Because the vampire is described very much in a Nosferatu type way. Do you know what I mean? It's not mm. like a romantic sort of. Thing it's more yeah. like a Romanian struggle, like a an actual monster, mm. blood sucking fiend monster, um, undead type of person. But also, there's the act of it trying to force itself in because if the whole if you go and write in with the vampiric folklore, you've got to invite a vampire in, yeah. or it needs to be invited in. It can't is just... leaving a door open or a window open enough of an invitation? Yeah, I, I, Probably who knows? Not. Who Probably knows? Not. No, you've got to actively invite you've, them. You've in. got to, I'd imagine you've got to actively invite them in. Um, does burning it kill it? I thought you had to. I wouldn't think so. I thought it was a stick to the heart. To the heart. Yeah, yeah. But um, again, or a silver bullet, mm. or is that werewolves? I'm not sure. Yeah. I tell you what, talking about weird stuff though, in within where we bought this book, there's um, there was there's some really old text where you smile. Yeah. There's just a part in this story that makes me laugh because it reminds me of us one time. Go on. Are you sure? Do you want to finish yeah. this first? No, I was just going to say that there was like books in there, like let's just saying um, how to deal with werewolves. You know, like and it was, yes, it was yeah. a serious book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it's like what? Wow. Yeah, it was. It was. It... Who's bought that? Do you know what I mean? Because I'm, I'm following <laughs> them home to see what their problems are. Um, yeah, oh, I'm quite far-fetched. Also, just to say, I know, and this isn't linked, but I have. I've deleted it from me. You know the photo I took of my reflection in John D. We went to the British Museum mm. and seen a collection of John D.'s items. He was like an yeah. occultist who worked for Victoria, was it? Yeah, I, th- I think it was Queen Victoria. Anyway. No, 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 Queen Elizabeth I. Queen Elizabeth I. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and his scrying mirror was there and I thought it'd be a cool photograph to get my reflection in the actual John D. scrying mirror. Yeah. And then it kind of played on my mind. Why? It just did. And I thought maybe, you know, it'd bring, bring me bad luck. And since then, my foot's fucked up and my uncle's died. <laughs> your foot was already fucked. True. For a start. Um, and your uncle died has nothing to do with you. <laughs> no, <laughs> like no, yeah, that's right. I thought. Because the thing it's is... Too, it's too... It's not It's not direct. Yeah, I know, but I've deleted it anyway, just to be on the safe side. Anyway. Oh, you little superstitious thing. Yeah, I'm superstitious, but i also seen... There's been a... Just to say as well, that um, one of our listeners sent, sent me a link to an interesting video about an Egyptian goddess called Skemet. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Skemet is like the, apparently like the evil, not the evil, but like the, the monstrous form of another Egyptian goddess called Bastet, I think. Now, interestingly, I found the videos really interesting. 
30 cents. Um, and then we were in... The British Museum. The British Museum. And there was a statue of Bastet, of Bastet or whatever its name is. And I was like, oh, that's interesting because that's Skemet in its, in its nice form, just as a cat. And then when we were in Treadwells, there was a book about Skemet and it just kept cropping back up. It was mm. like a, a recurring thing. Well, um, I mean, you did go to one, a paranormal bookshop and two... The British Museum. I feel like yeah, and it's also, not super surprising yeah, that you and also went to the Egypt section in both. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 so, so, yeah, exa- yeah, so yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, Hunting out the, the Egyptian sections. Yeah, it's like going to a car showroom and going, guess what? I've just seen a fucking car again. <laughs> no. um, anyway. Yeah, it's not like we went swimming. And, yeah, and yeah. And Skermet <laughs> popped up. And Skermet bounced past. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, or Sekhmet or whatever his name is. Anyway, yeah. what part of the story? Nothing. So the, it's it's not paranormal, but it just makes me laugh after that. Um, because the bit where it says, um, where she locked, where at the beginning where it's through the window and she's locked the door before retiring. Now she wish she hadn't for her panic to get out. She fumbled at the lock and dropped the key. It just makes me laugh. When we were in the flat... There were neighbours opposite, and we've spoken about these guys before. Oh, uh, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. John and Linda. Yeah, John and Linda. Um, lovely couple. Really lovely couple. At first, Late 50s. I think Kev got a bit too excited at having, like, neighbour friends at the beginning, and you were a bit weird with them. Yeah. And, like, you were really like, oh, yeah. And it was like, hey, how are you doing? And 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 the, the classic one, which the one that we've cried laughing about, was... On New Year's Eve, we bumped into them earlier, like during the daytime, usually the daytime. And like, oh, you know, how are you doing? All the best. Um, you know, like, oh, have a nice night. You know, happy New Year's. And just as just as we were about to go in, I, you, Kev said, uh, I'll have a good, you know, have a good one anyway. Whatever you get up to. And then he leaned across and kissed Linda. Yeah. <laughs> All three of us. <laughs> in shock she didn't know what to do he's no, he looked alarmingly at me worried i was also gonna lunge to, <laughs> towards him so i think i took out my hand to like diffuse the situation <laughs> to make let him know that a kiss was not incoming and we literally it's the only time i've genuinely done it we went in and I slid down the door <laughs> laughing. I was like, what the fuck was that? And you were like, I don't know. I'm I just like, went to pot around them every time, so didn't I? Yeah, anyway, shortly after this, we saw, this is what reminded me of it. Shortly after this, we saw them in the hall again, mm. right? And, and we're already on edge because they're thinking, oh my God, what's this what's guy going to do, do next? next? I'm thinking, what's he going to do next? I'm and, thinking, what am I going to do next? You go to pop because you just got so excited to see them. It was like really weird. So anyway, we're like, <laughs> we're going through and because the doors were opposite, so it's a bit tight. You know, yeah, you, it was tight if you were both out. at the same and time. I think they were going out or, or they were going out. Yeah, I think they were going out as we were coming in. But anyway, we're like, oh, I hear you all right, how are you doing? And it's a bit like, get in and get gone, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm fumbling with the keys. And then I dropped the keys. And I just felt your tension coming. It was like the long core out here. The, the more the wrist. And she's getting neck. <laughs> <You're> gonna... <laughs> I'm going to lean in and hug her. You're going to do something weird. So 
Yeah, it just the whole fumble because it always reminds me of that scene in Titanic, you know, where they're trying to get out of the thing and yeah, they drop yeah, the yeah. keys, and and that in that story because it was that like, oh my god, she's dropped the keys, she's dropped the keys. I'm like, gonna have to say something, and it's probably gonna be stupid. <laughs> like proper fumbling, desperately trying to get in. Do you remember the thing with the lift as well? I can't, I, I can't remember. I, I remember, I, remember, I can't remember verbatim what happened with the lift, but it was to do with with John and Linda. Mm. Um, I think. I'm trying to think what it was. I think it was maybe we were moving, we were moving stuff from, like we were going camping or something. Mm. So we were bringing loads of heavy stuff. We were on the third floor with John and Linda. No. Not with them, but you know, that's where we lived. <laughs> I wish like, it was with John and Linda. Yeah, and you were at the car, one of them where I was doing back and forth trips. Yes, and I was packing. And you were packing the car. Yeah. Um, and I'd brought down the tent and left it in, and it, like I'd brought down too much basically, but it was mm. the last trip. Yeah. So I'd locked the, the flat door. Brought I was carrying too much. I was dropping it as I was going. So when I got out of the lift in the ground floor of the car park, yeah, I dropped just outside the lift, like the tent and something else, and brought ev- the, uh, the first thing through and dropped it at the car. Mm. And then went back to the where the lift was to pick the things up off the floor. Yeah. And as I did so, John and Linda got out of the lift, and I went, "Ah, oh, yeah," and got in the lift. <laughs> And we just went to the emergency, all right, now, and yeah, yeah, use, and pressed the button, and then realised, like, I don't need to go back up. I just didn't know what to do. I couldn't walk through the door with them at the same time. You or got so nervous. Yeah, I got so nervous, I went back up in the lift with all the stuff, <laughs> and then came back down. And then I told you about it, you again, crying, laughing. Yeah. You were like, what is your problem with that? You just proper like, went I don't know, they just scrambled my brain when I'm in the company. You were just so, uh, yes, like so, so happy. Like the first interaction with them, we were in, you were like, oh, neighbours, like John and Linda, yeah. neighbour. And then it's just. J and L. I think I was more happy that it wasn't a gang of teenagers who were going to be boisterous and noisy. That was what made me happy. No, because that's like rational and normal, and your reaction around them was in no way rational or no, normal. That's true. I was like, are you like inviting them for dinner and stuff? It was like, oh, we'll have dinner parties with them and we'll do this. <laughs> like, really love well, them. Well, well. It was my first official neighbours. Brilliant, yeah. I'd so never funny. lived on my own before. So funny. Yeah, I think that's what it was. So I had my own neighbours. Yeah. These are my neighbours. I'm going to neck her. <laughs> so unexpected. Just the alarm on everyone. The polite British alarm on yeah, everyone's yeah. face. I thought, she, like, I thought that's what you do. Have a new year, kiss. I mean, maybe to friends, no, family. Yeah, maybe to friends and family. And like at midnight. Yeah, not like at three in the afternoon. Stop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So go on, you can tell us another story because you're good at it. Okay, thanks. Um, which one do you want? Yeah. Well, you can you can choose. So there's an index there at the, at the front. Okay. Which you're per- perusing. Um, I want to make sure it's a good one now. Now I've got like the thing to choose. Well, you read me the title of one that you think you like, and I'll tell you whether I think I know it. Okay. Um, so we don't want the, the skull that screamed because I know that one. Okay. Um, how about a grey lady at Ye Old Seven Stars pub? Ye Old Seven Stars pubs in York? Is it? Well, I'm sure there's plenty of old Seven Stars pubs. Well, I think it is. Well, it'll tell so you. Let's see. Two, three, eight. Let's find it. We've been in Ye Old Seven Stars. I'm sure it's the one that, that's... Um... Worcestershire. Oh, well. Utter shit on there. Yeah, as I said, there'd be loads of Seven Stars pubs, wouldn't there? Yeah, so Worcestershire is a bit in the middle and slightly to the west. Yeah, of the UK. It's it's what Amer- Americans often struggle with Worcestershire sauce. Mm. But because it's, it's Worcestershire, so do we. And there's a picture of it. Apparently, it's one of the most haunted pubs in England. Ye old Seven Stars at Kidderminster. Kidderminster. Okay, there's a race course at Kidderminster too. Mm-hmm. For those interested. 
Are we ready? We are ready. A grey lady at Ye Old Seven Stars Pub. Ye Old Seven Stars Pub is the venue where customers of Alan Lauder's Kidderminster Ghost Tours meet. Hold on, hold on. Maybe we should just skip to the end to see if it says, but of course, all of this was bollocks. <laughs> and it was all a dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> An ideal place, since it claims to be one of the most haunted hostelries in England. The ghost is said to be a mysterious lady called Maggie Morgan. No one seems to know much about her, but she is capable of making her presence felt, and the dog is scared stiff when she is about. It was in 1974 that Maggie first got herself noticed. Mrs Frieda Holloway was serving in the bar one evening when she thought someone called her name, and she noticed a middle-aged woman standing at the end of the bar, wearing a white dress which she described as the kind worn at the turn of the century. Then, said Frieda, as I looked at her, the lady vanished. Mrs Holloway saw the same phantom again on two separate occasions, and after a report appeared in the local press, a reader wrote to the newspaper to say that his mother had been born in Ye Old Seven Stars some 60 years earlier, and she too had seen the same apparition, which she described as wearing a large, old-fashioned white apron, not a white dress. During 1974, two customers also saw the ghost at the bar, but only for a brief half-minute or so before she simply faded away. Half minutes, quite a while. That is quite a while. 30 seconds is a long time to see a ghost. Like, I feel like that's longer than you get. Yeah, also, yeah, I mean, there's one of those things where you'd say 30 seconds. If I seen somebody at at a bar and it was 30 seconds, like, as in, if I seen someone at the bar, there's a 30 seconds, right? So, Mm. like, I'm not going to start counting, but imagine 30 seconds in your head. In fact, I'll tell you. So, right. So, just gone 30 seconds on the recorder, right? Oh, Becca, look at that lady at the bar. Mm. So, you look at the lady at the bar. Yeah. Right? We're both seen her now. Only she's eight wearing, seconds have passed. She's wearing an unusual she's dress. She's wearing an unusual she? dress, isn't she? Right? Mm. It's now a long only time. only fifteen seconds have passed now, right? Mm. We're now talking to each other again. Yeah. We're not still staring at her. Yeah. Because right now, if we are, we've been staring at her for twenty three seconds. Well, unless they knew it was a ghost and like, oh what do we do? What do we do? Well, Who are we gonna call? Well you've still got another five seconds to say, what do we do, <laughs> what do we do before she vanishes? And then she fades and away. Then she fades away. Yeah, it's a long time, 30 seconds, that's yeah. what I mean. Uh, that's, you know, I think you could have a chat though in 30 seconds. You're you... right, what brings you here? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, we're not done. Are you, you're a pirate. What, why? You're right, what brings you here? Have you ever said to someone, what brings you here? Well, might if it was a ghost. I've, I've, I've never said, um, I mean, I... You probably have. You, you, you might not have phrased it like that, but it's a common thing to say like, oh, <laughs> what brings you here? You know what, I've just thought of an amazing game show. Imagine that the the inventor machine that you can put a helmet on you, right, and it knows everything you've ever done, right. But it's it not as in. I'm like, already seeing a flaw in no, no, the production no, no, no. of this game no, show. No, no, no. But there's some GDPR regulation, so it can't just like start spouting out like things you don't want it to. But the point of it is, is that the game show host would be so. There's three contestants all with these helmets on, and they'd be like, "Okay, Becca, um, have you ever used the phrase, what brings you here?'" Before in your life. Because I would say... Uh, God, uh, this uh, is rubbish. No, I'd be like, I'll be willing to bet £50 that I haven't. And then it'd go, ah, you did. It was in 1983. Well, I'd be four at the time. <laughs> what brings you here? To <laughs> I was also like... Well, I won't say what accent that was because people can't... Well, no one will because you guys are wonderful. But you know what I mean. You know the past Facebook post on Cotton. Oh my God, get over this Facebook post. He's banging on about it. Enough. Who's got the time to go? Show? Enough. Anyway. Keep on, anyway, back to your game show. Back to the game. That's it, basically. Oh, you know, That's like... Um, um, Kevin, have you ever lunged unexpectedly and kissed a neighbour? Yes. Yes for 50. <laughs> Bing. 
Well, yes, he has, everyone. Kevin, were you ever once calm in the presence of neighbours Linda and John? No. no. Bing! Another 50 quid. I wouldn't come off this game show well, to be honest, if you were asking the questions. Um, okay, I thought we haven't finished. May I, yeah, may I continue? <laughs> you haven't taken a breath? Sorry. Oh, right. In 1989, Gary, a bartender, and another man who worked in the pub were painting the cellar when out of the corner of his eye, Gary noticed, that, Gary noticed that someone had come in. He just kept on painting as different people from the pub often looked in to see how they were getting on. But when no one spoke, he turned round and saw something strange. He described it as the silhouette of a woman which seemed to be filled with smoke as he could see through it. So it's not Kotap because he did look directly at it. Yeah. What started as a Kotap turned it... into a spectre. May I continue? Yes. He and his companion simply stared at this apparition in astonishment. Then we looked at each other, and when we looked back at the silhouette, it had gone, he said. They ran upstairs to tell the licensee, who notified the local paper and gave them each a fiver for seeing the ghost. <laughs> Good lad. Good lad, yeah. Alan Lauder, who runs the Kidderminster Ghost Walks, is he getting paid? Is he paying for this? He's too yeah, The Kidderminster Ghost Walks was in the pub with his wife and daughter one evening when they noticed a passerby looking through the window at them. His young daughter joked that the man was admiring her because she was so pretty, to which Alan replied, I expect he thinks you are the grey lady. Come on, you shoot your young daughter know, down. Yeah, 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 that. Confidence booster dad there. At that, the bell at the bar... At that, the bell at the bar began ringing very loudly, which summoned the barman keen to know who was making such a din. Of course, Alan and his family were innocent. It was, they decided, another of the grey lady's little tricks. So there was no point in... in so the, there's no He's r- mentioned the Grey Lady and then the bell starts ringing. Yeah, oh, okay, but he just needed to give us the backstory of, like... He couldn't have just said he was sat there one day and discussing the Grey Lady. We had to find out that there was a passerby who paired his daughter through the window. Well, no, it's just the story, because they weren't discussing the Grey Lady. They weren't, like, talking about our nothing. That's oh, how it came up. he just mentioned it. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I do like that, like, the, who are this... I mean, I mean who are this... I know that it was a common thing and it's always been a common theme within the paranormal and alleged true paranormal experiences, especially famous ones like um, that money's exchange, exchanged hands. And, you know, like that's why the amateur people, the Lutters, went to the press allegedly to try and get a book deal, which they got and stuff like that. Um, so you can exaggerate things. But to, for two lads to go to the Kidderminster Press and be given a fiver each for seeing a ghost, <laughs> generally, that's yeah, amazing. I like that. Yeah. Well, it was actually the licensee who went to the paper, and then the paper gave the lads. The licensee should be like, where's my commission? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 10%. Agent fee. So, well, there you go. Okay, well, that go. more or less... So this is a good book. It is a good book. I'm glad closing. we have it. Yeah, yeah. So, who, again, give us the title and the author so we can give it a plug. <laughs> this is Supernatural England, and its subtitle is Poltergeist, Ghosts and Hauntings, and it's edited by Betty Puttick. Thanks, Betty. Thanks, Betty. Yeah, and when was it made? It looks like I think it looks like a recent print. It looks like it was a. I'm going to guess 1998. First published 2002. Ooh, wasn't bad. Wasn't bad. It was four years off. Yeah, well, it's not bad at all actually. That's a good guess. But yeah, there's loads. There's college college ghosts, a poisoner's tale, hauntings, human and animal, and feathered. Should go on that one. Human, animal, and feathered, which would imply that other thing, things other than animals can have feathers. Pillows. Fair enough. Haunted pillows. All for it. Yeah. 
something out of hell, a ghostly highway. This is a it's a, a trove. A various troves, exactly the word. Well, we're going to be it's, yeah. we're going to be delving into this frequently, I, I believe. Fantastic. So it was a good find after all. Uh, it's a, but you're right; it's a common thing. Just go into paranormal shops and we go nah. I, I'm like, are you are you a fan? Is this all just for shows? You pretend you're a fan or because not? Do you remember it was last time you went to Treadwell to think that um, the Hans Holzer book was there, and I said nah, and yeah, then you ended up buying it, didn't you? Yeah, because you liked it, but they were like, no, no, I won't get it, and I was like, why? And you were like, no, no, I'm not going to get it, not going to get it, not going to get it, and at least he kept talking about it, and it turns out it was really hard to find. So I then had to hunt yeah. it down and get it for you for something. Yeah. Which is very kind of you. Mm-hmm. So the par- my paranormal library, in fact, are all from you. This is the ironic <laughs> thing, is that although you won't allow me to have a Ouija board, and I understand why. Like, I think you got me my crystal ball. You got me my pendulum. No, you already had your crystal ball. Oh, did I? But I did get you your pendulum. You got me my pendulum. Did yeah. you get me my tarot cards? No, you wouldn't have got me tarot cards. No, I think you already had them. I got me my tarot cards. Um, you did buy me my obsidian scrying mirror. Yes. Um, I think I might have bought you more than one obsidian scrying mirror. Fuck. Did you? You bought me I'm two. I'm sure we've got two in the family. No, we've got one large one. Yeah, and a smaller one. No, I don't think we do. I think you, you might be thinking of a piece of black tourmaline. No, I'm definitely thinking of obsidian scrying mirror. two fucking scrying mirrors. Sure I know not. there's a big one in that drawer. Yeah, but that was a new one, and we already had one before that, but that was bigger. So well, we uh, I've read, st- from having, after me, John D photograph, I've started mm. reading a bit about obsidian scrying mirrors. You're meant to consecrate them in blood. I'm not really... I'm what not, does consecrate mean? As in, like, wipe your own blood on them. Mm. In order, to, blood blood magic, basically. No. Yeah. Absolutely not. Um, I've bought you a lot of stones as well over the years. Like You've bought gems me a lot of crystals, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, crystals. Alleged. Yeah. Yeah, and stones. Yeah. You're quite right. Mm. Yeah. There was a real, I, I bought a really, I don't know where it is actually, but I paid like 30 quid for it, for a chip of thing. It came in like a special case, a chip of this. Oh my God, I remember that, yeah. It was like a piece of, it looks like a piece of glass, but it's an exceptionally rare, like alleged magical powers stone. I remember you laughing at me at the time when I bought it, and now I can't. I don't know where it is. Yeah, I can remember that. I can remember like you've done what? <laughs> yeah, it was like a little bit. It looked like a bit, a bit of shard of green glass, but it came with a certificate of authentication to say what it was. It began with an M. Can't remember what it's called. Well, it's clearly affected your life very well, yeah. dramatically. Then, well, you... you know, well, if you don't know we, where we, it is, don't know what impact it's had. Oh, you don't know the name of it or where it is. Well, yeah, we know it's lost. Hopefully, not forever. Anyway, as ever, back. Thank you for joining me on the Paranormal Patreon. You're welcome. And um, we will speak to you all on Monday for a normal episode of We Need to Talk About Ghosts. Okay. See you then. Tatty, bye. Bye, guys.